When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Province Sports Podcast. Welcome to the White Towel Podcast. It's uh, Thursday, December 6th. Patrick Johnson. Harrison Mooney, he's back. Hey. You made it. How you doing, Patrick? I'm good, man. Good. Uh, how about uh, how about these Canucks? Before we do anything else, oh, okay. First of all, folks, if you're listening to us on iTunes, sorry, Apple Podcasts, yes, please rate and review us. It helps us yeah. get more profile. That's how it works. Probably. Only rate and review us if you like it, though. Like if you don't yeah. like it, yeah, we did actually on the old podcast. Off. There was a person that didn't like us, and, and they would rate and review. No, he he told us about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm star. I'm fine with like uh, you want to send me a personal email. Saying that you don't like oh, the sound those. of my voice. Yeah, that's fine. Because those are easy enough to either ignore or like the ones that are funny, yeah. you know, you forward to your coworkers like, look what this idiot said to me. I'd prefer that to uh, like a nasty review mm-hmm. uh, that's going to dissuade other Apple podcast listeners from checking I us out. I also wanted to give you uh, a shout out. Mm. You made a really good joke last week and I, I didn't really pick up on it enough. Oh. Well, you, you mentioned about – we were talking about shotgun – Shotgunning beers. And he said, have you had three beers? <laughs> and it was a pretty good joke. Like well, it, it was well played. So thanks, good job. Patrick. I was listening back earlier and I was just like, that was that was good. Anyway. Uh, so the Canucks, um, well, they haven't won. No. Since we last spoke. Oh, you know, it's which funny. Which was a week ago. Uh, I, I don't know why I thought that they had. I don't know why I ever think that they have. Well, because they can't possibly be on a losing streak that lasts forever. You say that, Patrick, <laughs> but have you seen them play recently? Yeah. They um, can't kill penalties. Yeah, which brings me to my first question for you. I was looking at the the standings, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the Canucks are four points up on the last place in the NHL, LA Kings. Right. But the Kings have two games in hand on the Canucks, mm-hmm. and the Canucks seem incapable of winning right now. So my question <laughs> for you, Patrick, is – because we were asking, I feel like at the beginning of the season we were asking, like, are the Canucks a playoff team? Well, you know, may, they, we sort of had a, they had that run. We're kind of like, maybe they are. You're like ten six Probably and one, not. and suddenly it was a topic. Like they're playing okay. Yeah, they were playing okay. But now I want to ask yeah. you: Are the Canucks a last place team? Well, this is, this is something we jokingly discussed. They want to avoid uh, avoid the the range of sadness, right? Uh, the sadness sweepstakes. Is right. You like, either want like, them to make like, like excel. Yeah. Don't don't land in the middle. Right. Like, 
play well enough that you're playing in the playoffs anyway. Yeah. And, you know, and aren't like legitimately in the playoffs. You're not just kind of, oh, wow, we lucked out there and we made the playoffs. Do you feel like, uh, I feel like after this, um, you know, this losing streak that the Canucks are on and this kind of, this turnaround as they've plummeted mm-hmm. down the standings, there is almost a sigh of relief. I find myself breathing as somebody who wants them to see, uh, you know, who wants them to get a high draft pick, right. uh, and, you know, build for the future. I mean, I was a little bit concerned about this this realm of sadness as yeah. you uh, as you've described, and now I mean, hey, I don't know if they'll be worse than the Willie Desjardins coached <laughs> L.A. Kings, but you know what? I mean, here's the thing: um, so many of their losses have kind of been explained by like one thing on that particular night. Right. Often it's been Nelly killing. Um, you know, there have been examples where they could have had better goaltending. Uh, generally, the offense hasn't been a problem, although, you know, they've had a couple of games in the past week where, two weeks, I guess, where if they score more than one goal, they probably win. Right. You know, that game on Saturday against Dallas was a great example of that. They were leading one nothing. They were in control, looking good. And then the Jamie Ben line kind of took over and the Canucks didn't really know how to respond. And they also hadn't scored a second goal yeah. despite having a few opportunities. So I, I suppose... Part of me is just trying, maybe, you know, I mean, we are journalists. We're not supposed to be optimists. And so I have to keep pushing that aside mm-hmm. because the optimist in me says, well, you know, they're going to start winning a few more games again and they're, they're not going to slide. And of course they'll end up in this mediocre realm of sadness. Um, because, you know, I think the thing is, it's interesting to me too. You know, someone else pointed this out about, uh, Ron McLean was on Sportsnet 650 last week and he mentioned how they, well, they, they still need another guy. Yeah. And basically what he was saying is that they should just tank again. Right. But the fact that he's a hockey man. Right. And he's cause, an inside man didn't too. He's cause controversy that, you know, if it was somebody else. Well, yeah, because the, the, you know, the, I mean, there's kind of your two communities here. There's the, the, the so-called mainstream media. Uh, and We're then the mainstream media, by the way. We are. Ah, oh, we are now. You can't do that anymore. But we didn't used to be. Yeah, but you are now. Yeah. But you took over. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you, you're talking to me like I took over. Like, I'm still here in the newsroom. You are over. the Canuck Speed guy. But you I, took over. But there's, there's the old way and the new way. Right. So the old, the old way says no tanking because of the, honorable the integrity of the game. Boys in suits don't tank. No. And you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sympathetic to this idea because I, I don't. Quite a win. Yeah, like I, I don't – yeah, I, I want to see these guys working hard. I want to see them losing fair and square mm-hmm. uh, and not because they didn't want to win. Like that's the dumbest thing. You know, where people are paying money for this, you know, we take – you know, hockey games take – that's your whole evening. You know, right. you're going to sit down and watch a hockey game and your team's not even going to try? Like that's – I can't handle that. But, I mean, obviously I, I would prefer that the Canucks lose all their games. Uh, and because, be, be, because I'm a yeah. fan – <laughs> you know, yeah. because I love the Canucks, I want to see them fail spectacularly. One day you'll become a bitter, twi- twisted, cynical sports writer. Yeah, officially. But yeah, so Ron McLean, he's an inside guy. Yeah, uh, he's one of these these old world guys, and so it was notable, I guess, for for him to be the one. Uh, well, he didn't say tank, but he said, you know. It would. He basically said it would be in their interest to get another high draft pick. It was like dog whistle tanking. You know, he yeah. was. He was the people who knew. They knew. It was positive dog whistling. Yes, for the for the for the pro tank crowd. <laughs> uh, okay, so then my my another uh, my my other question. In addition to that, uh, not just you know, are we happy that the Canucks are uh, maybe headed towards a last place finish or something like mm-hmm. that? But 
Uh, are we happy with how it's happening? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, you look at uh, the Canucks goals against, they're up over 100. They're one of three NHL teams that have already surrendered, uh, surrendered 100 goals this season. Um, and my argument, Patrick, is that uh, that's great. That's fantastic. And not because I want to see them lose, but because while they're rebuilding, I want to see them lose fun. Lots of goals. Like it means that there's been lots of goals in those. Yeah, games. you know that yeah. they're not they're yeah. not tightening it up. Yeah, uh, you know they're not just clogging the zone and fighting for a one nothing win. You know they're fighting for like a four three win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not happening. Yeah. But well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny because this is something that I've been kind of pondering as we watched the lineup get assembled at various points of the season, and you know there was obviously consternation over Nikolai Goldobin, Goldobin. How do you say it? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, I want to talk about this. Yeah, as we're well. gonna talk about this later. But you know, him being scratched, um, you know, the departure of Sam Gagne, which I wrote a little bit about yesterday, uh, and, and Jim Benning was quite upfront about the reality of it from his perspective, which was we want to, we actually want to play. Like Sam's not part of our future, so why keep him around? Which is blunt and truthful. And I thought, did he say that? Or I mean, is that well, just kind of what's been implied? Not directly, but I mean, essentially, he said, yeah. No, I mean, what he said to me was, listen. You know, we looked at our lineup. Uh, we're happy. You know, right now we want to keep Gaudet in there, and we wanted to see Label on the power play and play him. You know, up up in the top six. And so when we add up our roster, um, there wasn't an obvious spot for him. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, I mean, because in terms of the actual, I mean, this is obviously you step back, and the obvious part is is that he still could go down without waivers. And they only had one other forward they could do that with, and they already lost a forward this week in Brendan Leipzig on waivers. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and, and in the big picture, you know, I mean, given where this team is at, you know, Gagne had been a good player for them over seven games and had done lots of good things. And I think, you know, if I were making the choice, I'd just keep him around. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you're actually trying to like find out who's in your team next, it it makes sense to look at those guys. And then, you know, in the cynical approach, if you really want to talk about, quote unquote, the stealth tank, you got to dress an NHL lineup, but okay. don't try too hard. <laughs> and, you know, and there, you know, the, the Canucks will never, will never admit to that. And I don't even know if they actually are, but there is, that is a sort of, that's part of the process. And the same thing with Leipzig, like Leipzig, losing Leipzig was, you know, he, he had played okay. He hadn't played a ton. Um, you know, obviously he had a big, splashy debut last spring when they got him from Vegas. Um, he came here, didn't play a lot, did well. Mm-hmm. Like he was good. He, he, you know, he actually, in terms of when he was on the ice, Canucks were like getting shots from in front of the net. It wasn't yeah. like he wasn't generating offense. But the funny thing is, as I noted this morning, uh, for those who follow me on Twitter, I already know this, but Leipzig and Sam Gange actually had the lowest PDO on the team. Oh, really? So both of them had, like below, seriously below average on ice shooting percentage is basically the Canucks were scoring below average what you'd expect, which is like kind of eight or nine percent mm-hmm. of the shots would go in. I think in Leipzig's case, it was like four percent. Yikes. And in Gagne, it was like five and a half. Um, which is kind of surprising given that both those guys spend a lot of time with Bo Horvat and mm-hmm. Bo Horvat's been producing. So you're kind of like, is Bo Horvat left some goals on the table? Like that's kind of amazing to contemplate, but, uh, and then, and then the on ice save percentage was like, I mean, the Canucks have not been getting good goaltending, but, but it was like below what they've even been getting. So and we're so suggesting both, that maybe the guys that had the worst luck are the ones that the Canucks have which pushed out. Funny. I mean, I like, yeah, but I mean, what, yeah, yes. 
Although I don't think that really right. matters because th- there's so many other things going on and they've got enough guys that have been in the lineup that have been playing pretty well, yeah. you know, or, or sorry, I shouldn't say playing pretty well, have been like puck luck has not been part of the story. It's been what you see. Yeah. And so what I'm saying with both those guys, okay, you know, like maybe Gagne was owed a goal, uh, goal or two while he was on the ice. Leipzig owed, you know, three or four goals given that he played sort of twice as much as Gagne. You know, so, you know, that makes a difference there. And to actually go back to the original, the first question, to be clear, I don't actually think they're going to finish in the bottom five. No. I think they are going to end up in the realm of sadness because of some of the reasons that I'm articulating. However, question two, my answer to question two, which we're talking about, um, there is, I do see a caveat for that because it is in the end what I'm talking about is that they're starting to go, okay, we need to think a bit about what we actually want to do. Like what are the next 50 games actually about for us because mm-hmm. um, as you said like the fan you know at the end of the day you kind of want to win but if you're actually trying to be the rational step back I just want to see a fun hockey game right. I'd actually kind of hope they don't win but I want to see goals and it'll be good times and so if, you know you kind of design your lineup in such a way that what you're really actually thinking about already is next year because that's been pointed out there are three unrestricted free agents on the blue line already you're starting to talk about okay you know, we can bring in all of you, Levy. We can bring in Quinn Hughes. We can start talking about trying to find, like, the, they, the Canucks supposedly dream of adding another defenseman. Okay, there you go. Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson right. coming here. Yeah. You heard it's it here first. Pretty no, good. Pretty good hockey player, that Eric um, Carlson. That you, but, you know, I mean, they, that is the kind of dream they would have. And you know what? Like, credit to them. You should be kicking tires on players like that. That doesn't mean he's going to come here. Yeah. By the way, you know, like, people talk about Sergei Bobrovsky as if the Canucks are the only suitors. But I'm sitting here going... Like Philly needs a goalie next summer. I mean, I know, and you know that Philly will throw a lot of <laughs> stupid money for right? a goalie that so they probably don't. And need. that's a total tangent. So you know the 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 goal scoring thing. I'm totally with you because it makes it more fun to cover too. Yeah. I mean, I, I made a joke earlier today on Twitter because um, actually Micah Micah was picked to his uh, Micah McCurdy. Yeah, he was, he had suggested his uh, his Selkie favorites were uh, Gabe Landeskog and. I'm drawing a blank, but I made a joke. I'm like, hey, I saw Landis Cobb play a 7-6 game. That guy can't play defense. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess our opinion of uh, of his defensive awareness is going to be no. colored by the fact that his goalie was terrible in that game. That's true. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean – oh, sorry about that clang in there, folks. I hit the table. Oh, um, cool, Patrick. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Goals are good. Too many goals again. I mean – you know, it's, it is, it is selfishly more fun to cover a win than a loss. Yeah. Like that, that game in LA when they won was, was a lot more fun to write about. Yeah. What the was play. the vibe in the room? You went oh in God, there they and they so were, happy. were they just pumping they tunes were, and no, because of the way the room works. No, because they actually, they have all their stuff in another room. So you never actually witness that. They you just, don't get to see the bottles popped or no, the exactly. tunes popped. They just change their, they get changed and then they go to the other room. You get sent to this weird anodyne press room that's just. No, no, you're in, no, you're in the dressing room. Right. But they're just like taking their gear off. Secret second dressing room where the you party know, Antoine Roussel sitting on the floor. Right. He's done that three times apparently. He's, he's a floor sitter. He did it once when I was there. Well, they lost. He was mad. Yeah. He's stretching. Oh, he like sits on the floor like in gear. Does he just sit there in like no, full no, gear? No, he's like, when like, is like under. Garments, his undergarments, like his, his like his technical you know, workout shirt, Under Armour, whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right, stuff, sweat, sweatsuit. All right, so we we jumped through a bajillion topics yeah. there, but that's uh, things value added. It is well, and we got little previews for everything we're going to talk about 
for the remainder of yeah. this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I should say we are recording this podcast uh, a few hours before the Canucks get set to play the Nashville Predators. Correct. Did I get that right? Hey. Yes. Uh, and so sometimes you're, I have to remind myself. I was like, who are they playing? <laughs> it's actually, you do the game deep preview and sometimes you're like, wait, who are they playing? And then that actually helps you understand what the other team's about. Mm-hmm. Natural Predators, three key forwards out injured. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't and been PK. Paying... No PK. No Why PK. even watch the it, Nashville it killed, Predators? I had it in, when you do the game day preview, we, do, we have to do a key matchup. And I had already written PK versus PK. Ah. Uh, but he's not playing. That's too bad. So that would have been a really good I, subject I, header. I had to get rid of it. Uh, what did you replace it with? I don't remember. Hmm. No, I don't remember. All right. Okay. So we have uh, a couple of things that you mentioned there that I want to I want to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll let you jump in here with the one you want to talk about first. Right. Okay. So uh, the Nikolai Goldo- uh, Goldobin scratch mm-hmm. from the other night, mm-hmm. people were mad, and we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. But there's also uh, the Canucks have a new guy. Josh, Josh Levo. Is it Levo or is it Livo? Help me out here. I don't actually know. Because I, I want it to rhyme with Quavo from the Migos. You know, the, Try it anyway. All right. Just do it anyway. Uh, Why we've you got, a song? Uh, <laughs> no, but I don't know. For puns. Uh, and then we have, uh, you know, Leipzig is gone. He was yeah. claimed off waivers. Mm-hmm. He plays for? The LA Kings. Oh, they're going to love him. Willie Desjardins. He gets a, a fresh body to bury mm-hmm. on the fourth line. Uh well, yeah, I mean, Ilya Kovalchuk's out of the lineup, so he had to put somebody there. Yeah. I feel like people, they're mad that he's put Kovalchuk on the fourth line, but what they don't understand is that Willie Desjardins makes all of his lines the fourth line. It's true. Every line. Like, if you are on a Willie Desjardins team, you're a fourth line. You may actually luck out because of, of, you know, the fact that basically it's like a beer league team, so the the line that just came off the ice sits at the end of the bench, mm-hmm. and then the next line that's going is in front of Willie. And so they go over, and everybody just slides down. <laughs> I feel like uh, like I'm true, not sure actually, what the, the I'm not sure what the Kings are are doing uh, because I mean I don't know how you see what Willie Desjardins did in Vancouver, and then you know you have your own team that's fallen from its once great height and should clearly be rebuilding, uh, and then you're going to take this guy who couldn't turn around. Uh, you know, a, a great fall in Vancouver, and you're going to put him in charge of the Kings? Like, what well, the is cynical, the plan there? The cynical answer is the one I've already gave you. You need a coach. Do you? If you're just trying to lose. You need somebody to stand there. You need somebody to do the post-game interviews. I mean, uh, the NHL is so unimaginative sometimes. But, you know, but here's my point. But here's my point. But, here's my, point. but, here, but, no, but my point really is, is that if you're the Kings and you're sitting there going, oh, boy, getting Jack Hughes would be pretty good. Do you go hire Joel Quenville or do you hire Willie Desjardins? That is very cynical, right? Like you hire and and you, who do you hire? A guy that you're going to say, "Hey, we're making you the interim coach." Yeah. Like who goes into a situation is I'm the interim coach. Yeah. Okay. Right? I hadn't even Harrison, thought about I'm that. making you the interim web editor. Oh, hot dog! I'm not going to do a good job, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, okay, well then let's. Uh, since that's we're talking the, that's about my the cynical Kings, answer, and I, you know, you probably probably don't. I kind of believe it. Yeah, we, we're talking about the Kings. Then Brendan Leipzig. Uh, are the Canucks going to miss him? Yeah. Are the Kings going to like no, him? No, I, I think that you know. I mean, like I said, you know, good good player, good good okay player. I should say, not a good player because he's not a first line player. But no, he did okay. You know, I think I think they I think the Canucks would have been fine keeping him. The Canucks are very focused in right now on sort of defined roles, which is old school thing in hockey, and I. I you know, I think that they're going to have some problems going forward because of that. But, but Leipzig was a player that, uh, you know, they, 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 he, I think he played 17 games a season. 
didn't play a ton, but got some time on the power play. You know, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's that it's that there's there's two there's two things. I mean, was he generating scoring opportunities? Yes, absolutely, and that's a very much a credit in his favor. And you can totally understand why you'd build an argument to keep him around because the goals are going to start going in. You think, but at the same time, like he's playing in a role you need people to produce. And if he's not producing, and some of that, like I said, was puck luck. Like there was just a case of sometimes the puck just doesn't go in. Um, but it is literally a results-based business. And if yeah. your job is to score, well, let's go see if we can find somebody else. Nothing, nothing he did stood out to me as saying, you know, we're not going to find anybody better than this. Right. Um, now, you know, like replacing a coach. And I remember, uh, I mean, this goes way back to like when the Canucks got rid of Vigno, but it was a point made about Tortorella, I guess, after the Tortorella season was that no matter what's happened, you still had a top flight coach. So you better find a guy that's at least as good. And realistically, you need someone to find someone who's better. Because if you actually think about the way the decision works, you shouldn't, you don't hire someone who's going to be worse. Right. And, and, you know, in in a certain level, you know what you have. The other guy is unknown. So, you know, unless you're getting like Joel Quenville or probably Ken Hitchcock, like there's a short list of guys that you know are going to be great additions. So in hindsight, you know, would they have been better off keeping Vigno? Maybe, but. You know, that's, that, that's the lesson for me is that you find something that's better. So with Leipzig, do you find something with better? Well, they brought in Josh Levo. Right. Levo. Levo. Let's go with Levo because Quavo. Uh, I'll say this about um, Brendan Leipzig. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him play. The yeah, guys, the guys, I, yeah, because yeah. the guys I like are the guys that, uh, that skate fast yeah. and stick handle yeah. a bunch. Uh, and Brendan Leipzig, I mean, you know, he'd get the puck. Occasionally, he would stick handle right out of the offensive zone, yeah. just take it away, go for a skate, dipsy doodle, and then, you know, come flying back in, try to gain the zone, do it all himself. And he's shifty skater, you know, I mean, he's fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the problem I had with him was that, like, not only did it not amount to, to offense, but so often he would just wind up holding on to the puck when better guys were open. I mean, you know, I, I saw him skate with uh, Elias Pettersson a couple of times where, I mean, Pettersson's open. You know, he's he's yeah. cutting to the net. Yeah. He's the guy you want to get the puck to. Like, it's you're not Elias Pettersson, so what you want to do if you're on the ice with him is send the puck in his direction. Yeah. And instead, Leipzig would do, you know, fun yeah. stuff that showed off his individual skill but didn't do much to, to kind of yeah. boost his line. At the end of the day, I think the other notable thing, I, you know, I, I, you know I, I talked to him a few times. He's, you know, he was a nice nice enough guy. You know, nobody, you know, the, cur- the current group of Canucks, nobody is, there's no, like I'm saying this honestly, I'm not trying to cover, like, there's no jerks. These are decent guys. They're mm-hmm. good guys to talk to. Uh, they're pros. They all want to play. They all want to win. They hate losing. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Leipzig was fine. But Leipzig is now on his fifth NHL organization, yeah. which I think speaks to actually what you're talking about. And I don't think speaks to any, really anything else. You know, it, the fact that he's got a, he's an interesting looking player. He does some interesting things. You're kind of hoping maybe you catch lightning in the bottle. But at the end of the day, you know, he didn't crack it in. I mean, I can't remember who drafted, but he didn't crack it in Toronto. Um, Vegas liked him, but liked other players better. Flipped him to the Canucks. Canucks had a nice look at him. He played well last spring. You know, the the, the Kings are kind of hoping maybe they find that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah. again, NHL. Pl- I mean, he's an NHL player. I don't think that, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, I mean, he has but, NHL skill. Yeah, that, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah that's I better, mean, I, better way to phrase it. Yeah. I think at this point, after that many teams, you know, and so many teams are auditioning him, including an expansion team. Like, yeah. is there anything yeah. more damning than failing to carve out a role on an expansion yeah. team? Yeah, um, you know. So I, I guess in the end, I'm I'm fine with him moving on because it looks like. Uh, you know, Brendan Leipzig is one of those players who's going to be too good for the AHL, mm-hmm. just not quite good enough for the mm-hmm. NHL. Uh, and he'll probably, you know, yeah. he'll find some some character roles down the line. If he sticks around in the league, I could see him being part of a good third line that yeah. checks, uh, chips in with some scoring. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think the Canucks have the structure now to be able to see the space where he'd fit. No, and I, and I think that's like again that comes back to my earlier point is like what are I mean they are a weirdly constructed team they're a very linear linearly constructed team you know they've got Pedersen obviously playing as well as they had hoped probably better than they'd hoped he's leading a scoring line you got Bo Horvat which in theory is supposed to be more of a scoring line but it's had a line that's been asked to do everything Horvat still produced despite all that. Uh, and then two other lines that the Canucks are really kind of trying to present as checking lines where, you know, modern hockey kind of thinking actually has you have three scoring lines and then a checking line that we used to call the fourth line. And um, they're more focused on trying to stop the other team's top lines so mm-hmm. that you free up your scorers. You know, on a team like that, yeah, absolutely, especially a team like that, I should say, Leipzig fits in well. And I think probably Sam Gagne fits in well too. Right. Um is he next on your list? Uh, no. Uh, forget <laughs> about Sam Gagne. Let's talk about Josh Levo. Uh, Le- yeah. Levo. Yeah. Levo. Uh, what – my question with him, I guess, because uh, I didn't know too much about him when yeah. he arrived. But I saw people getting very excited about him. And it seemed odd to me since he's not one of the Leafs' good players. Yeah. Um, but people are excited. So can you can you tell me why? Um I think it's a little bit, it's a, it is one of the, he is one of these little bit of everything kind of players. He's a big dude. People like that. He skates pretty well. He shoots pretty well. Um, the numbers like him. I mean, obviously playing the Leafs, the numbers are almost always going to like you, uh, given how things are. But, uh, you know, the guys that pay attention, guys like Jeff Fayette, I talked to Jeff about him the other day and, and Jeff said, no, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a cool, interesting, he's an interesting opportunity. He's the kind of player that kind of should be looking at. Um, you know, he's not, he's not a superstar, uh, but he's a good player and he's a guy that just, you know, it, it speaks in a certain level to the depth the Leafs currently have that mm-hmm. he just wasn't even going to play. The return of Nylander was just literally going to force him out of the lineup. And, and, you know, the Leafs are, I mean, part of the story is the Leafs are that deep. I don't think people quite understand, especially if you're not, you know, obviously, I mean, I understand why people listening to this podcast probably are trying not to pay attention to the Leafs, but, <laughs> uh, but as someone who has to pay attention to hockey, it is pretty impressive and they still have guys in the minors, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, Lebo is a, um, I think he's an interesting player. He's the kind of, I mean, honestly, I, I said it this week, like, I, I do think this is the kind of move the Canucks should be making. You know, that there is churn, you know, that you start looking at who's in your lineup, especially if you're being realistic about where you are. And that's, you know, we're not, we're, you know, the playoffs was a nice conversation, but we're not here to talk about the playoffs. We're here to talk about next year. Yeah. Um, and he's a player that maybe plays a role on that team. And, uh, you know, so he, you know, obviously scored a goal on Tuesday night. We'll see more. I think it looks like he's back. Um, or sorry, it looks like he's, um, uh, moving on to the Pedersen line. Was he on the Pedersen line? He was on, yeah. That's he was he on the Pedersen his... line. That's right. So yeah, Goldie's back in the lineup. Goldie's going to skate with, uh, with Horvat. Um, 
Oh, yeah, because actually, uh, I thought Travis Green made you look pretty silly there, Patrick. You had a story about Levo uh, where uh, all indications were that he was going to skate on the Horvat line. Yeah. And the story ran. And then right after it ran, the he, lines came out he and he up. was with Patterson. We had to take You idiot. Yeah, we had to take to, to, to put you behind the, behind the scenes and why sometimes we do look like idiots, folks, the Canucks have 13 players at their optional skate and didn't do anything close to lines. And they sure – as they just like, play Red Rover, or? no? They worked on. They worked on. Uh, I don't know. They did some stuff. Do they work on the penalty kill? Because they uh, should. Remarkably, no. Do they? They ever? do because they run against their power play. Right. They do. Um, yeah, but is that a topic? <laughs> it is now. Uh, let's let's come back. Our around friend, to our it, friend, though. our friend Daniel Wagner wrote a great thing about that. What did he have to say? Well, I mean, first of all, this, stop running Granlin out there on your first group. First group, Ye- yeah. Like he, like power play, sorry, face-offs aren't, mostly aren't that important. And I actually really like how Travis Green phrases at the beginning of the year. He says, because in the big picture, they kind of come out as a wash. Some games you might win 45% and then the next game you'll win 55%. He said most of them. And so as a result, I'm not going to get too stressed about one particular face-off. However, on special teams, they really do matter because they control the shot volume for about 15 seconds afterwards. They're they're a quite important thing to think about. Um, And Grandlin can't win a face-off. And... Can't certainly can't win a face off on the penalty kill. Yeah. So you're already giving up possession in a in a in a, a very challenging spot. Um, I mean, we saw I think it was the third goal on uh, on Tuesday against the Wild. You know, he was tra- in fact I think he was trailing his brother, if I'm not mistaken. The better Granlin. The better Granlin, and 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 his and his brother made a, a cross ice pass. Through the sort of penalty killing area, I recall the, this. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and you know, just a go, wide open seam. Yeah, you know, wide open seam. And if you looked at what Granlin was doing, he had his pot stick as if he was covering, trying to cover off a potential drop pass. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, put it in front of you and block off that seam. And you know, it's just he he's been, I believe, been on the ice for the most shorthanded goals against of any player in the NHL. And if it's not, he's in the top two. Um, is he getting more faceoffs just because Jay Beagle's been hurt and Brandon Sutter? Yeah, been hurt? I mean, part of this story is about Brandon Sutter. You know, Brandon Sutter, uh, who is you know advertises this tough two way player. He's not a tough two way player. Brandon Sutter, however, as I also think, better than people have been ripping on him for. He's a he's a pretty decent defensive center. Mm-hmm. He's actually really good. He is a really good penalty killer. Um, and there's a lot of been a lot of stuff written about that. He's got a great shot too, um, and he's got a great shot, which is you know is sort of his one offensive skill. He's not a great passer, but this uh, is uh, if but I, no missing Brandon Sutter just to, just to finish, it's, it has been a huge factor here because he is their best penalty killer. Uh, Jay, Beagle, Jay Beagle winning faceoffs would help, but Jay Beagle is actually not a great penalty killer. So you know, I mean, the Grandlin has had to carry a lot of the weight. Um, at five on five, he's okay, but he's a terrible penalty killer, and and so it's been a lot of pressure on him, and it's also had put pressure on Horvat because you know Horvat is their best faceoff man. And so he's been taking a lot more draws and he wasn't even supposed to be penalty killing at all. So, you know, I mean, the knock on effects from, from that have been, have been astounding. So I feel like, uh, if I'm Adam Gaudet, that's just such a delicious opportunity, you know, to maybe jump in and take some draws and yeah. prove to the coach that you can be a defensive center. I, I mean, think they're happy with him. It's interesting because it's going to be interesting to see what happens because, you know, Brandon Sutter, I think is going to be back sort of Christmas time. Um, and Sven Berchi's going to be back. It's hopefully before that because he was skating this week. Oh, great. Um, 
so you know we've kind of got to see how that plays out. But there's there's at least there's at least one more roster move happening right there. Godet's an easy roster move because he doesn't need waivers to go down to Utica. But they don't want to send him down. No, they don't. I mean, that was a choice they made this week. As I, you know, as I said, they they could have kept Gagne, who was playing an important role. Gagne played 18 minutes on Saturday, yeah, and then was sent to the minors on on Tuesday. Like it was kind of, you know, that was a surprise. Um, so, um, you know, Godet, Godet, they like Godet. They've been happy with him here. I think they they they've been they've been happy with the fact that he's been able to play at this level for as many games as he's had, um, and. You know, Beagle or sorry, Beagle's back, but when when Sutter comes back, you know the the choice there seems pretty obvious. Um, you know, unless they're going to do something drastic, like they're going to waive Tim Schaller or they're going to waive Louis Erickson, or you know, they could waive Tyler Mott. He hasn't done anything. Yeah, since waive Tyler Mott. They like Mott though, and Mott Mott's actually been. A, I mean, it's funny we're talking about bad p- penalty kill. Mott's actually been a decent penalty killer despite everything. Um, I don't think they get rid of Mott. I don't. Mm. I think. I think. Um, I think that he's the kind of player that they like having. You know, there's no particular. He he skates hard. He scored a couple goals. He's chipped in. He, I mean, hits are hits, right? They don't necessarily mean anything. But he 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 far and away leads the team in hits. Most of those hits, if I'm not mistaken, are actually on the forecheck. Yeah, but I but, mean, a Tyler Mott hit is a bit of a fart in the wind. Anyway, I'm just saying that that like in terms of the things they care about. In terms of the things they care about, he's he's doing everything they they want him to do. So Bouncing off guys. Yeah, I don't think Mott's going anywhere. Anyway, I mean, um, going back to last year's trade deadline, yeah. would you have guessed that of the two guys they brought back at that very underwhelming trade yeah. deadline, that Tyler Mott would be the one who's yes, still with actually. the team? Really? Yeah. You lie, Patrick. No, because Benning, Benning was effusive about Tyler Mott. He was. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, Some, you know, Jim tells you what he thinks. Let's talk about the Nikolai Goldobin scratch. Yes. Uh, why? Why did that happen? He's good. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is a good podcast. I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, Travis Green explained it later. We all kind of surprised when it happened. You know, you're like, he's your third leading scorer. And he said, well, he needs reset. And, you know, I, I kind of was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. But then I kind of step back and I go, okay, you know, if, if the purpose of this season yeah. is to progress and you really do believe the player would benefit from watching the game from above just to remind himself of stuff, okay, I'll buy it. Yeah. I'm not totally convinced, but you know what? You know, I, I, sometimes I have to step back and put my coaching hat on and put my teaching hat on. And you have to think about, you know, like there's lots of video. These guys lots, watch lots of video. They'll diagram lots of stuff. They'll talk about lots of stuff, but people learn in different ways. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, part of it may have been trying to be a tough, it may have been a tough love argument. You know, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily buy one game as it's going to work for that kind of thing, but you know, there, there is actually, if, if your focus is 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 actually on developing your players into having a better understanding of the game as a whole. That is actually the best way to do it. Yeah. You send him up in the rafters, and there's no way to do it with him sitting on the bench. Yeah. So I, I you know, and that essentially was part of the explanation. Uh, Travis Green spoke with Brendan Bachelor on on the on the team's um, pregame show about it. And basically indicated, said, yeah, like there's lots of things he's doing that are really good, <coughs> but 
I have some concerns. We're not going to know what those concerns are. Those aren't the things they reveal to us. Um, but you know, you know that they pay attention to a lot. They do. They, there's a lot of numbers they do actually pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, most of his numbers were really good. He's he's really you know improved himself as a two way player. He's not an amazing defensive wizard. He's not terribly good on uh, on stopping rushes against. But then again, they're mostly in the offensive zone. So it's kind of like, eh, it's not yeah. a big deal. When the other team has the puck, though, he's not great at stopping it from going the other way, which, you know, is something you'd like to be better at. Um, and he's the kind of player that, you know, I think going forward, like he's been a good, a good winger for Pedersen. Um, I think he's proven himself to be an initial quality player, which there were some doubts about. I mean, we knew he could score, but. You know, there really were concerns about his defensive play. Like, he, there were just, there were shots going in at a rate that just weren't acceptable no matter who you are. So, you know, he, he's improved a lot of parts of his game. So now you start wondering how much further can his game go? Because, you know, I, I'm still not convinced that he's a top six scoring forward on a, on a, like a legit NHL team. He right. is right now, but this team's, yeah, fighting not to stay, be at the bottom. Once this team has some depth, is Nikolai Goldobin still there? Which then becomes a question. Can you play him further down the lineup? Can right. you play him on that sort of third scoring line or whatever? So, you know, if that's what they are, if that's what it turns out to be, and this is, doesn't become sort of a recurring question, I'll buy it. I mean, yeah. the, part, of, part of me goes, you know, I, there's the narrative that Ben Hutton having to sit all those games last year taught him a lesson. He went home and he figured out how to eat properly and train better. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But, you know, that, that actually requires something on the other end, which was the trust that we're actually going to play. And they've done that. Right. But if you kind of go from the kind of game theory standpoint, you know, Ben Hutton would have gone home and been like, well, are they really, if I do all this, are they actually, you know, what, you know, a certain level, what do I have to lose? So he went and did it. He could have done that maybe without being scratched forever. So th- that's maybe. part part of why I'm challenging a little bit with the idea of scratching. But you know, like I said, with Goldie, he's played pretty well. I, I will totally un- take their word for it that they think there might be elements of his game that he needs to refocus on, and they want to watch from high. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with Travis Green on this one. Um, you know, last week when we talked about uh, Troy Stetcher getting scratched. Uh, I defended Travis Green as well, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to do it again. I, you know, I think sometimes we look at these scratches in in kind of a macro sense, yeah. and we look at, you know, well, Goldobin scratched. He's not their 13th best forward, right? But that's not the point of a scratch, right? We you have to look at these things in the micro sense. <coughs> the point isn't to to bump Goldobin down to 13 on the depth chart. It's yeah. to hurt his feelings. Right. You want him to feel bad. Okay. You want him to look at the guys playing and think, I'm better than these guys. Why am I not in the lineup? Right. Right. And then Travis Green says, well, here's your answer. Do these things and you will be, right. you know, and I think that he's done a good job uh, while he's been here. Travis Green, that is, uh, of holding his players accountable. And yeah, occasionally, you know, scratching a guy who, I mean, looking at the numbers, this guy's better than that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the point. The point is you're trying to get through to individual players mm-hmm. at individual times. You know, you shock them. Sometimes you embarrass them mm-hmm. with a scratch. Um, you know, that's a one-on-one. And I think we look at it in a team sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially in a, a kind of a moot season like this right. one, uh, there's no better time for a little bit of tough love uh, than right now where uh, the outcome isn't really going to be affected that much either way. That's probably so, our, he- our headline for this podcast. But <laughs> no better time for tough love. Yeah. Hopefully I remember that. Write it down. Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? I'll buy that. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I'm not, I, like I said, I'm a bit skeptical, but I also 
I'm willing to say that might work. You know, I, I, to me, it, to me, what it is, is, is the, the, as I said, the sort of, the, 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 sort of, the, the, the carrot actually has to be there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I suppose the fact that it did work out with Hutton is something that Green can point to the rest of the players and say, listen, he learned. Yeah. And now look at him. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, you look at this season, uh, Goldobin, when he arrived here, there was still some question of like, can he crack this lineup? Yeah. And it wasn't a very good lineup yeah. then. Uh, and now we've reached a point where he showed up for training camp this year and kind of fell into a first line yeah. role. Yeah. You know, and I think that, uh, there, there, you always run the risk of these young guys getting entitled, uh, thinking that, you know what, I've made it. I mean, I'm the star of my team. Right. I don't have to put in the work every time. Like, I don't have to make every shift, uh, a sprint. Uh, I can take some time off. I can take some shifts off. Uh, and you don't want that. And, you know, this is Nikolai Goldobin's first full NHL season. Right. And people forget that because he's a little bit older and he's been around for a while. Only 23. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> he seems older. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to look at. He still looks about 12 years old. He does. But, uh, yeah, you know, this is his first full NHL season. And, I mean, you, you can't just hand everything to him. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to just kind of slam a door in his face every now and then and say, you know, no, figure out how to open this door. Um, and I think he'll probably do it because mm-hmm. he's a, he's a mm-hmm. good, skilled player. And, obviously, uh, he's he's one of the best wingers the Canucks have. Um, and I think too, like he's in a great position because this year with Pedersen emerging, uh, and Gaudette showing uh, a little bit on that third line, you can kind of see the way that the Canucks are going to look down the middle for, you know, the foreseeable future. Probably these three guys, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Jack Hughes. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know. But the issue then is, yeah. I mean, who are these wingers? Yeah. Uh, and right now, Goldobin is kind of the only, <laughs> it's like Goldobin and Vertanen. There's, you have two wingers. Um, but both of these guys are guys Brock that. Besser. Oh, yeah, they're right. I forgot three. about Brock Bassett. <laughs> but yeah, these two guys uh, are both kind of, Tyler you know, Mercur- they, he, he does not. You got me on Besser, but we're not going to talk about Tyler Mott any more than we already have. Um, Goldobin and Vertanen, a little bit yeah. mercurial, a yeah. little bit, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit flaky at times. Uh, so you, you, you give Capable them a tough Capable great love. things, though. Oh, yeah. clearly. All right, man. What else we got? I got. I'm running. I'm running low on time. All right. Well, let's just wrap it up then. Is that it? Uh, the uh, the Predators game tonight. Who will win, Patrick? Well, it could be one of the teams will win. It'll be one of the two. It'll be uh, some. Fifty percent of the teams will win, and fifty percent of the teams will lose. Although, if it goes to overtime or a shootout, then team, both teams will win a little. One team gets a point. <laughs> I hate that rule so much. Patrick, it's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been great being here, too. It's kind of flipped there. You took over as the host, but that was intentional. It wasn't as good. It wasn't as good. Let's go back to the way things were. All right, folks. He's at he's at Harrison Rooney on Twitter. I'm at Rising Action. He's mostly just jokes. I, but he's a serious man. He's a serious man. See you next week. <laughs>